I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Shrimp and Sivret Show, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey, Danny boy. How you doing, buddy? Good, Bob. Where are, you, where are you at here? It looks like uh, your background's a lot different. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in Bled, Bled Slovenia right now. Uh, I'm at my combine camp. And we're at this, uh, it's a cool little, uh, sort of like bed and breakfast place. We got all the kids stay here in, in one little lot. So we can be together, play some games. We get like a ping pong set up out in the yard. There's a pool area. Just kind of get the group together and, and get some camaraderie. So it's a little bit of different backdrop than when I had, uh, yeah, back in Riga. So I hope everybody can bear with it. What what's the age like? How many got how many players do you have there, and what are the age groups? I got 22, uh, 22 players and five goalies, and I, it's a little wide range. In, uh, with one guy, Bobby Metz, he's going to Colgate next year. He's an O one, uh, but the majority of the group is O three to O six. So I bought I I brought um, well Bobby came and agreed to come, but I brought him in to kind of give the you know the kids here that a view of a Division one hockey player division one defenseman to kind of you know kind of give them a gauge to uh for them and see what that looks like what the you know what kind of dedication bobby has what kind of player he is and how he works on the ice um but in the sense of this combine setup and showcase sort of speak setup it's a chance for players to get uh you know kind of get seen so it's been a really interesting week um it's been a lot of fun and opening the door the way we did the camp uh Get maybe a little bit long story long, but last year I got asked to come and do a camp here and coach these kids. I said, yeah, I came in and at the end of the camp, a lot of players came to me and asked for help for placement and helping them find teams. And I just, I didn't have answers for them. I couldn't really execute that. So I thought of like, how could I create something for these kids and help them out? So this year we, we ramped the uh, camp up. We made it a combine where they got tested on ice off ice and we made it sort of like a showcase at the same time. So they get tested on Monday, Tuesday, and then we have from Monday to Friday, uh, we have 10 practices on ice. And then on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday we have games. And those games are live streamed. And I put it out to a lot of scouts and elite prospects was awesome with that. We, we stream it on their YouTube channel and people can tune in and see these kids. And then with the camp, uh, what else we did was made sure that every kid got an elite prospects premium account so those accounts are attached to the stream and any scout that's watching any team that's watching can click on that player and get their information and whether you know where they played last year their stats also the uh testing results from the company athletics they did the combine setup 
um, their fitness testing and their on ice off ice testing. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of information for people to get kind of like that. And I, like I told the players this year, I said, I I'll provide this dance floor, but it's also up to you to show up, <laughs> you know, I can only do so much. So it's a great, it's a great opportunity for the players and it's been fun to, um, do it. I, I did some color commentary on the last <laughs> couple of games. So started my career there. <laughs> yeah. Where, what, where are the players coming? Like, are they all local or are they coming from all over like Europe area? Like it's, it's new for me being over in North America. We have a lot of bodies in, in condensed area in, in Ontario, but uh, like are players flying in for this or is it just a yeah. centralized spot that there's, it's a hotbed for hockey players? We had uh, three Americans come in, Ty Bashaw, Mike Bashaw, and Bobby Metz came over from the States. Uh, and then we have five Latvian players come in, uh, came down here from Rica with me to come join us. And then a lot of Slovenian players and a couple of Austrian players. So it's a little diverse group. And it was really not marketed to a large scale. We had the group from last year, got the first right of refusal. And then we got that number, how many yeses. And then we, we wanted to have it around 20 to 22 players at 22, just in case there was injury. Cause they are live games like, and you know, at that age group, 16, 17, you know, they're, they're running around hitting and stuff. So you never know what could happen, but yeah. So that's the age brackets there. And again, it, like Bobby's outside the scope a little bit in all one, but again, I wanted to, I brought him in here, here with a purpose. So uh, the other kids are looking for places to play. And this, I think it's a cool time now in June to give people some uh, teams and scouts a chance to see where they're at now. Cause again, at that age, 15 to 18, like there's, some kids that's, you know, have some development there over the off season, two months after the season or three months after the season, whatever, hit a growth spurt, hit a confidence spurt. Um, it's good to have those live films, uh, live game films for, for people to see where they're at right now. Cause this is, you know, at this time is when people are calling around for players and trying to find places to play, whether it be not uh, NHL, the USHL or uh, NCDC, like leagues like this. So it's good to have that, um, fresh footage, fresh game film for those players when they, when they're, you know, reaching out and say, here's my film from, you know, middle of June, it's, this is where I'm at. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's the kind of a, the scope of what we got going on here. And it's, it's been awesome. It's fun to get with the kids and, and do the development side of it as well. So it's not just the showcase, you know, we have a ton of practices. So I run uh, film sessions with them in between on Tuesday night after Monday's game, went through the film, and that kind of helps me as a coach. Like when we do the drills in practice, everything's game specific and there's a reason behind it, you know, practice with a purpose. And then when I have that film, you know, to see like, okay, this is why we do those sprints from the hash marks into the neutral zone, start crossing over like McDavid, like in the game, we get there and we don't do it. You see it. And everybody's like, yeah, you know, it kind of really hammers the point home. And that's when we say development camp, like you're literally developing their, you know, their game right on the spot. So Oh, I know you're doing some quite similar in London, aren't you? This summer with you know, yeah, well, yeah, we, yeah, we started it. Uh, I think last year um, <clears throat> when there was minimal ice, uh, and our we were sort of shut down from the pandemic, and I just sort of wanted to grab put all the you know players locally, I guess, like whoever can drive in, uh, that were uh, elite on the ice together, just to you know sort of get game preparation. Uh, it, it almost sort of emulates what we did as, as pros, you know, like we took most of the summer off the ice. Uh, we worked obviously on some individual skills and stuff like that, but majority of the stuff was off the ice that we worked on strength, uh, mobility. And then as we got closer to, to training camps, heading off to the NHL, uh, we would cluster a group together and we'd run 
practices and scrimmage and things like that. So I sort of just made it like a little bit of a bigger scale. And in that same sort of age bracket of uh, we work with 07 or 08s to 03s. So you got uh, under 15 all the way up to players in uh, the OHL that will play. And I just make like a little league. It's non, uh, it's, I mean, there's contact, but uh, it's, it's not like anyone's laying anyone out open ice. It's that as if we were to play against each other, you know, I'm going to be a little hard on you in the corner and not trying to hurt you or anything. It's just like, this is how we're playing the game. So uh, it allows all the elite players to come and And we're not just strictly males. Like there's uh, some elite females that come on that are heading off to NCAA that, uh, that obviously fit right in. And uh, it's, it's a, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. It's exciting. I haven't, uh, haven't started yet. Uh, we usually jump on the ice mid or late July, about six weeks prior to players heading off to their respective teams or training camps. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's fun to see them all. And, and, and you know what, it's, it's unique because um, around here, you usually are just stuck with your own age group. And I know for myself, you as well, uh, I, I played, I'm an 85 birth and I played a lot with 84s and I would jump on the ice sometimes with 83s. And then I, as I got into the OHL, I was fortunate enough to be invited to uh, a European skate back in Burlington, where all of the uh, guys that play over in Europe, uh, Mark Juris was the one that would have headed it. He invited me out. So I was in well over my head, right? I'm a 14, 15 year old kid. And these guys are playing in Switzerland, like lighting it up. So, but it made me learn to defend these guys. Well, right. They're faster than me, smarter than me. Uh, and, and I think I'm trying to do the same thing here in, in London, where you're on the ice with different age group players, right? You could be on the ice, you could be on the line with a, a player a year younger and three years older and going up against two D that are three years or four years older than you. Right. So you, uh, at this age, I think the pace is, is strong enough. It's not like you're out with someone that doesn't belong there. So everyone has the same goal of uh, obviously helping them in life through hockey, whether it be OHL, NCAA, or go as far as they can CIS or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to, to, to organize it and, and watch the kids interact and I can interact with them on the bench. I, I have, uh, my brother and a few of his buddies who are NHL linesmen and, and referees come out uh, as well as some OHL guys to serve as our officials. And I can sort of jump around from bench to bench and, you know, serve as if I'm coaching them where there's little things I can sort of help with, whether it be supporting the puck a little bit more or things that you just want to, you know, sort of like what you're doing with the video aspect with, with the players. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's coming up and uh, it's, it's just fun to, to get on the ice again with, with the kids, see them have fun. And uh, I try to do it a little bit differently where uh, each player gets a, a black and white Jersey and I have about six teams worth of players and we uh, interchange the schedule, but I encourage them. Like I don't have black team in this dressing room, white team in this dressing room. I just have it open. So you can be getting dressed with someone that you're going to be playing against or like, because at the end of the day, like these are the players that you'll eventually be playing with or against throughout your steps of your life like locally and training with so uh, i see there's no problem in being in the same locker room as someone that you're going to go on the ice and play a you know a controlled scrimmage and uh, against but uh, yeah it's 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 cool uh it's awesome that you're doing that over there like i know we're we're fortunate in this area with a high density of players in a in a small area so i i draw pretty pretty well from you know not 
too many kilometers outside of our city, uh, but it's it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, hockey hotbed. Yeah, that place is unbelievable. What you have for the players there. Yeah, kids are lucky, especially then with someone like you to be able to give back and coach your knowledge and experience, giving back with that kind of it's an elite level crew that's around London. You know, there's so many good players and the youth the youth programs are stacked now too. Yeah, and and it's it's only getting better. Like you can go, you can just jump on my site, dannysavert.com and, and look at our NHL pro skate. I do the same thing with the NHL guys. It's not a league. It's just, uh, there's about 25 guys that are on, on it that again, train, do their own stuff. And then as we get closer to them flying out to their respective teams to, for training camp, we put together that, you know, practice schedule and scrimmage schedule with, uh, the select crew that are, that are out there, but there's, some marquee players and there's a lot more coming up, you know, like there's, there's yeah. a lot of players that are up for the draft uh, that are local players. And it's almost like it just keeps getting, it keeps expanding. So it's, it's good for hockey in this area, obviously, because uh, it allows players to, to be on the ice with a lot more talented players uh, in a, a bigger cluster. Cause I, I remember when we were uh, pro or turning pro, it wasn't that many, right. You had, you know, Brian Campbell, Jason Williams, I think Boyd Devereaux was there. Um, yeah, Alex Henry, like th there was a, a small number of players that I think they enjoyed having us there, our 05 team, uh, players that were graduating because it gave them, you know, 18 players or 15 players to actually run a, a high tempo scrimmage. Whereas in a select group, it's, it's difficult to do that. So it's, it's encouraging for this area. It's fun. Um, there's a lot of, uh, strong development and, uh, and, and good players. So I'm, I'm happy to spend my time in London here. Yeah, that's, that's cool. We, we, I set it up. We did a best out of three. So obviously we played three games and bars been great. They were, uh, they gave us sticks for the, the winning team gets sticks. Like every kid gets a new stick. So I kind of gave it a little carrot make it competitive. So it's also tough, right? Like some of the kids have been off for two months, like yeah. the season's over and that's, I'm trying to harp on, you got to rev it up. You know, this is almost like playoff hockey. We're showcasing and there's scouts watching and teams watching. Like it's, if there's some urgency to it. That's tough too because we're we're here in Bledsoe. It's beautiful summertime. You know, like how do you turn that on? So I tried to think of ways to make it competitive as well and give them something to chase after. Yeah, and I it's been great. A lot of chirping. The team team black won the first game five one. The beacon and they're cocky running around. And then red won last night, pretty big six three. So it's been cool to, to watch that too. I like to see that. It's just like the NHL playoffs right now. You know, like Colorado spanked Tampa seven nothing. And Tampa bounces back the next night, you know, reverses that in 6-2. So it's, it's you know, how you respond. And it's important for these kids to realize that now, um, how you respond. Because, you know, again, the first one was, the first game was a 5-1 spanking. So, but they came out in Team Red last night was awesome. It was good. It was a good, very physical game. They came out physical, hitting each other, you know, making hockey plays, not playing shinny hockey in the summer. Again, like one guy trying to go end-to-end -end and, but, you know, that's the thing, teaching these kids in this setting, too, it's they all want to be seen. They all want to go places. And when you have that, like these summertime habits, it's important to get rid of them. Mm. It's important not to do them ever, <laughs> you know, if yeah. you can. That's that's tricky about summertime skates is you can get bad habits. Like, again, you get in the, some kids get on the ice and they just scrimmage and it's literally pond hockey. One guy gets the puck goes one way, doesn't score. If he does score, but then the other team grabs the puck and somebody goes end to end. Like that's not real hockey. Yeah. So it's it's important to have good habits. And this this setting allows me to kind of be that, show them where what that means exactly. You yeah. know, and 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 it's awesome. Like it's the same.
I, I don't think the younger player realizes it that when, when, when the pro skate and, and I, I keep our schedule open, like you can come and watch our, our pro skate if you want. And, um, and it's, it's pretty, it's, it's good that it's good. Like you just made that comment because some players just will float around and try to score or whatever, right. At the pro level, at the pro skate, if one of these guys were to cherry pick, like the, the rest of the squad is going to just lose, like both teams, like, dude, dude, this isn't hockey, you know? So yeah. I, in, in our, in my league that I have, um, I, I try to do the same, right? If, if a player is sort of cherry picking, I'll make sure I go and say, Hey, like, this is, this is not good for anyone. If you, if you keep this up, but, but to the player's defense, they've all, they're all really respect. Uh, respectable and 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 play the game the right way and and like I said it's open to public so uh, you obviously are doing it online so it's easier for uh, people to see from their home but with our area we have a lot of uh, junior B and OHL teams around that I do know that there's been people that have come and uh, and and watched just to see you know let me get a second look at this player and maybe he you know maybe we can offer him a spot or something like that so even though it's not a tryout you're preparing you're preparing for your season or your training camp, the, there are eyeballs on you. So it's always good to, to get into good habits, but like, but like you were saying in the, the Colorado game too, like that was a, that was a really dominant performance by, by a team in a play in a playoff series. Like it, it could have been a, a bigger score than that, unfortunately. Right. And then I think everyone almost wrote off Tampa after that. It's like, Oh, this, this is going to be over in four. Right. And then they come back home and have a good, a strong performance. And then we get to, game four they started the game really strong obviously 30 seconds in and then uh colorado started to uh, give it back to to tampa and end up tying it up uh forcing overtime and then uh obviously there's a bit of controversy in the the overtime goal uh, more so in uh, when i watched it live I, I i just thought it was a quick transition right yeah. puck comes back puck gets out they were Colorado had a bunch of chances in a short period of time. And, I, and it was just sort of like, oh, uh, Tampa's just hanging on. They flip it out, right, to obviously avoid the icing. And they their uh, goalie stepped up, Kemper stepped up to uh, start a quick transition. I just thought, oh, that's a quick transition. And then they uh, attack. Kadri makes a good uh, play through the triangle and eventually scores. I didn't even know it, it went in. I thought Vlasovsky made another save. But um after the, it wasn't until after the game when I was watching the press conference live is when Cooper sort of alluded to the fact that there was something wrong with the goal, right? It was almost like made everyone, you know, chase, try, like it's like you're a, a treasure hunt trying to find what, yeah. what the it issue was. was really right? bizarre. Is that like dramatic, like dramatic and like what, what happened? <clears throat> Excuse me, I didn't get to watch it live. Obviously, it's late for me, six hours ahead where I'm here in Slovenia, but that, that press conference, that was the Kind of one of the first things I saw on social media, like what, what happened. So, what was you know, what was it that was so controversial? I didn't. See, I still don't see what happened. Yeah. So, so I don't think it's the issue of when the puck goes in the net. Like yeah. I, I've seen the videos or, or screenshots online where Kadri's like scoring, and I think McKinnon's like just stepping off the bench. Like that's not. I don't think that's the issue. Like because you're you're out of the play. It's not a factor. I think. I think the biggest issue is is not knowing how long they had six guys on the ice. So when when the puck gets flipped out, obviously Tampa's trying to get some bodies off, and Colorado's doing the same. Uh, Byron goes back uh, to grab the puck, which the goalie jumps up and and makes an outlet pass. 
So you got a D man in the screen or is going to be out of the screen if you stop the play in the neutral zone. Mm -hmm. And and when it comes up to um, Letkinen, then he goes to make the pass to Kadri, and there's a there's another player uh, cutting through the center ice circle, and and then as Kadri's about to get the puck, you see McKinnon sort of sprinting out of the zone at the bench to stay on side, but in that frame you see five players, and then you know that Byron is still back in his D zone, right? So it's almost like you wonder. It would be nice if there was a a, a picture frame of of behind the like the net the whole the ice on that transition because it'd be interesting to see where McKinnon was when whoever the player that was supposed to jump on for him jumped on because when he's when he just gets out of the the zone to stay on side and he's straddled on the blue line right at the bench he's not a factor of the of the play but the closest player to him is is like at the center ice dot which. It's a big, there's a big advantage to a team, yeah. right? So I think that was more the issue. And obviously it's not a, a reviewable play. So it almost asks the question, like at, at some point, should, should it be, obviously you can't rewind time, but moving forward to make sure that it's not that, I know the, the game is so fast, right? So to, to ask those four officials to, do the head count on both teams, like in a neutral, in a neutral zone transition, when it's almost like a wholesale line change, like that, that's tough to do. I think, I think the situation happens a lot during games. It just sort of got magnified because it's obviously Stanley cup finals and overtime and it resulted in, in a goal, but uh, yeah. it's, it's, I, I don't, yeah, I, I haven't seen the behind the, the net shot of, of it, of the neutral zone play ha- happening. I've just seen, uh, what we saw from the the camera footage, you know, from a TV viewing, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's buzzing right now. It's uh, Cooper was devastated by that goal. Jamie, obviously, um, it is it is crazy because that's three one, you know, and, and 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 I don't think I don't think as an I don't think also as an as a speaking as like an official, I don't think you want to have. A, an impact in a game like that right like there was i think there was two penalties aside and uh in the third period there was a a, a trip that wasn't called which fine and then the, and then it went back the other way and there was another trip for the opposing team not called like i, I think you know i i know they probably want to call it the same all the all the time but like as a player i think you have to respect the fact that when it's in the third period and it's a tie game it's pretty much over you're in overtime next go win territory right like I, you don't want it to turn into you know soccer no disrespect but like get a guy into the 18 yard box and then do- take a dive or whatever and then it's like oh penalty kick you know the game's over now you know it's decided yeah. by the officials so uh, i'm with them on on that like let the players play the play the game and find the uh who is the better team i think uh, Colorado was trending to be the better team, obviously in the overtime. It just, uh, I, I'd be interested to see how long they had uh, too many men on the ice for, because, uh, you know, McKinnon's a centerman, he's getting off. Kadri's a centerman, but I don't, he never took any face-offs during yeah. the, the game. So was there a confusion on who was supposed to go and two guys jumped for one? And, you know, so it, it uh, unfortunately for, for Tampa, they, uh, loss and there's some controversy, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a big it'll be a big 
uh, hill for them to climb. Obviously they've been there for two years now and have seen a lot of adversity and they do have a lot of experience, but I guess we'll see it. Colorado will be pretty buzzing. They're, they're up tempo team. Yeah, Tampa seems to have a lot of injuries. They blocked a lot of shots. They do block a lot of shots, but in the game, uh, in game four, they blocked a ton of shots. So it'd be, you know, everyone's sort of banged up and, you know, I'd like to see it go, uh, more, but, um, I guess we'll, time will tell. Yeah. It's amazing. Kadri coming back after having surgery what, three weeks ago, 18 days ago, whatever yeah. it was, it's kind of that one of those typical playoff stories, you know, come yeah. back for anything, battle through anything, um, that trophies, everybody dreams about winning it. So it's, it's it was pretty cool to see him get that goal. Um, then, you know, last the St. Louis series going through it, he went through with that stuff and, and the fan stuff and, He's had some, he's had tough playoff in some regards. So watching, you know, it's tough to see that going against Tampa or, or with our buddy there, but it's another cool story. Kadri being a London guy, um, stepping skate, up in that moment. He skates with us too. Like he, he works hard. Like I, it wouldn't surprise me. Like he looked like he didn't miss a step in the game. Right. And, and he had gone, uh, you know, half a month probably without playing a game. Like that's, that's hard to do. Like you saw when point came back, he's, you know, it's, it's tough to jump right back in it. He, he looked like he probably, you know, the, the people don't really realize, but he probably was on the bike a lot and like grinding things where you're, you're just assuming like, Oh, I'm just going to put the Jersey on and go and play. No, he, I bet you he punched the clock a ton on the bike to keep his, uh, you know, game pace up. And, and he has had a, a good play or a good season, good playoffs uh, due for free agency. So it'd be interesting to see what happens for him, but um, but yeah, and, and I guess that just goes to speak to injuries and depth, right? Like I, I think, you know, not to rub salt in the wound, but I think a, a player like him would be great in Toronto. Well, they had, they had him right. But, but he's more of, you know, your third line center past hard to play against. He had a great offensive output year this year. Um, and you know, he's, he's done well in the playoffs for them. You know, I'm, I'm pretty happy for him, but um but yeah it's uh and then speaking of free agency um a little un hockey related but what's the take on that uh live golf tour over <laughs> over there like i have my own opinion what's your opinions on guys jumping to go over there just curious i think it's i think it's great I, for the golfers it's such an opportunity in some regard for financials side of it you know and then it's kind of look deeper and, and dive deeper into it and why the pushbacks there and what the morals and what the uh, what the morals are what uh, of the backing of the league and then i see what the pushback is but it's yeah, hard to not disregard that i don't want to disregard that but if i'm looking at it, like as an athlete being able to get paid that much money it's hard to say is i don't know i mean that's just so much money like you can even you can sit on your principles but if you're being honest you're an athlete and they're like, come over here. I'll give you 200 million bucks. I, I'm just being honest. Like, how do you, that's tough to say no. Like it's so much money. Yeah. Um, you put so much into your, your, you know, your trade or whatever, and what you do as an athlete. And then that's like, that's, that's crazy money. And like, where do you see that? The, the only thing I'll say is like that the players that are going over there, they, like you said, you put so much in your trade, but, but a lot of that trade was opened up by the PGA, right? Like we yeah. see the PGA tour, but there's like, 
Pan America tour, Canadian tour, like Corn Ferry tour. There was web.com tour, like the seniors tour. Like there's a lot. Uh, it's not just for the top, whatever, 180 players in the, in the world because they have to get there somehow. Right. And so PGA does a good job of having different tours to allow players to play and get better competitively to hopefully get to the J tour. Right. And then to have your guys that have come up all the way, just sort of, jump. and I'm with you. It's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Like yeah. these guys are heading over there to, to earn more money than what Tiger Woods has earned playing. And he's arguably the best, well, the best player in ever, you know? Yeah. And, and so I, I, it, it's tough to, you know, the principles of it and, and what's going on over there <laughs> as well, sort of, could probably play in into factor of some guys decisions but uh I, I don't know how i don't know how long it will last to be honest but it's it's just a, it's, i'm curious what's i don't know the depth of what the problems are of the pga i don't know their inner politics and why the why the you know i think it's sort of greg norman and a group kind of going at it phil mickelson's really been you know on top of the leader uh, leadership team so to speak of jump i don't know the politics i don't understand why there's so much frustration. I, I, at least from outside looking in, like PGA Tour looks awesome. It's great. It's in a great spot. And from my view, I mean, there's great young players, and you got, you know, Tiger Story's always there. Phil's around, you know, always in and around it. Um, I don't know. I didn't realize that the, that it was so fractured. Um, and then I guess once you start diving a little deeper into it, they're you know they don't have ownership of their own media rights and stuff like that, so they can't monetize off it. So that. If they were allowed to, then I, I guess they wouldn't have to be chasing the, the $150 million ticket they're getting offered because they could, again, monetize their uh, talents. Um, so I guess I could see a little bit of frustration there, but it, yeah, it's wild. You know, and then I think it was it Kepka just joined. No. Yeah. And, and I think, well, and I think answers <laughs> on his way too. like yeah. I'm with you on the, on your own brand uh, type thing. Like, but it's just that they've given you the platform and, and I'm not against like a monopoly. If you want to call the PGA monopoly, like I like healthy competition. Uh, I just almost question the, you know, you're, you're literally going over there for the money, right? Which I guess everyone works for a living for money, but at some point those principles not weigh in and say, you know what, these guys sort of got me here. See ya, yeah. you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's tough to say. It's it's. I'm I'm surprised that as many guys have jumped ship. To be honest, but um, and there might be more that that go. It's there's a big, that's a big carrot to, to dangle in front <laughs> of players, right? Like Dangling. you, that's a you, you're a you win a you know you're a corporation just to be going over there. You know you're you're worth a lot of money. But yeah, no, I just was t you know I know you like golf. I like golf as well. So yeah. I was just curious yeah. about your your thoughts are and, and what it was like over on that side of the, the water, uh, the, the European take on it. Cause I know it's a, a hot discussion here in North America. I, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's not that big. You know, golf is not that big here. Such a smaller. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Small countries, there's limited courses. You know, Latvia, there's only like four courses. The other problem being Danny said, I don't speak any languages, so <laughs> I don't know what they're saying. So I'm always in the blind. Well, yeah, the golf, the golf group that I play with in Latvia, they're, you know, they just know all about the money, really. Like, these numbers are crazy. Yeah. And I guess, you know, even one Tiger turned down, apparently it's close to a billion dollars. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So that's what everybody's kind of in awe about. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to see. I, I love seeing that. When, right before the U.S. Open, Kepka was like, I, I mean, even thought about it. And then, like, seven days later, <laughs> he's, he's on the ship over. Uh, but it's interesting definitely interesting yeah yeah and then since we're on the complete non-hockey talk like i just got back from montreal which obviously is a great city uh for the formula one event and like i don't know if you've ever been to one i'm not i wasn't a huge formula one fan i sort of had to watch that netflix uh um show to to get into it a little bit i'm a little bit more on the nascar side of things but uh it was a it was a really cool event like montreal did an awesome job um the their subway system was was on point to getting a a ton of people in and out uh the cars are like in in real time so fast like like oh like they're they're making turns at speeds where uh, when you're watching you know on tv you see the ticker you know 155 kilometers an hour or whatever but like when you're actually watching these things turn at that speed you're like how is that not spinning out or whatever right and uh you know it was just a it was a really cool event i went down with my brother had a um had a pretty good time we went to some practice sessions and and qualifying and and then obviously the race but uh and then obviously um being in Montreal just sort of leads us into the draft right uh and then montreal having the draft uh first overall new gm talks of trying to trade up more to get another player, make a splash. What are your thoughts on that? Like, what do you, well, as a, as a team GM ownership to trade away, uh, an asset, you'll probably have to trade away a marquee player or a semi marquee player to a, potentially acquire like a number jump up in the draft to like a number two spot is what the talks were. They're trying to get one, two. What, what, what do you think the conversation is there for, management and ownership on getting rid of a player who has a ton of experience and plays a huge part of the team potentially to acquire a draft pick for uh you know an i don't want to say unknown player but you don't he's not solidified at the pro level yet but uh, one of the better players or best players at 
their age group or draft eligibility. What, what, what do you think is going on there? I mean, it's interesting. The Slovakian kid and, and Chain Wright, there's just a lot of the talk of the you know top prospects. Um, interesting call them assets because that's what they are coming in. Um, I think it do some, and I, I don't know, because it's a new era, right? Like these young kids are coming in. So it's not so much of a gamble anymore, still a gamble. But um, I think having that new youth would be exciting. Having that, those kids come in, two draft picks, but the two high draft picks coming in at the same time could be, I mean, that's a huge shockwave. And then having them grow together, develop right on the spot like that, come, they'd probably come in at 18 and get that experience within a year or two. That's, that's exciting. And I think there's, they're very good players. You know, it depends on the draft and what's available, right? So there's, there's some great players in this year's draft. So I don't know. I, I think personally, like Montreal's not loaded up per se. I, I mean, they got a few young guys coming up. And obviously uh, Caulfield is, is unreal and he's on his way to be a superstar. I think adding a couple more young guys would be, would be if you could do it in one draft, why, why not? I think now would be a good time to do that, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, like you said, the experience of it, like you can't take that away. Like <laughs> it's see how they respond to that top level NHL playing against top pairings, you know, getting going on, going in slumps in the NHL. What's that like how you rebound back from it as young kids? Like that's, that's, that's the stuff that you got to like figure out how they're going to respond to it. But you know, if you make a move like that, you're going to really kind of, you're saying you're building your team around them and you're going to give them every chance to, uh, not every chance, but they're getting every support being possible to make sure those kids have, you know, have, have that, have that. So they're not falling flat in their face, but I, I like it. I think it would be, I, I, I like to see that, you know, just out of the ordinary kind of move, uh, just something different, you know, kind of, we just saw something of the same, same, same down in Florida where the carousel coaching carousel kind of continues. You see the same stuff over and over again. Something like this would be, I think it'd be unique and different than what we've seen in the, you know, a long time. I think Vancouver, the Sedin brothers, right? Yeah, that was cool. And yeah, I guess I was a, a splash too, right? Um, the other thing is, is, is like come draft time when you're selecting like that, you know, looking at Detroit when they took um, North Cider and everyone's sort of like, what is this guy? Where, why did you? And then now he just won the Calder, right? Like it takes a lot. It would take a lot for management to you know see all these rankings which again as you're as a team you're going to decipher who you want anyways right but to see all these rankings come out and the player that you are decided to take is slotted x number of spots way way down not way way but you know to be able to to sort of say you know what we're going to stick with it. like and, and then the funny thing is um Eisman comes out after and sort of says like you know give this guy time he's he's going to be he's good and then he wins a Calder, right? Yeah. Um, then, which obviously brings me to my next sort of point is um, the voting for all these awards, right? You see all the voting come out. And so I, I sort of ran through the numbers and see he won. He had the obviously a healthy majority of first uh, overall picks. And they end up uh, slotting five players, right? You put five players on the ballot. And I think uh, Zegris out of... Anaheim had had the second most, but um, and and the and there was a good draft. It was a good uh, rookie class, right? But then I go down the list and I see uh, like Timothy Lilligren, who plays for Toronto, had some fourth and fifth place votes. 
which almost makes me question, like, I, I watch a lot of hockey. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, he's a good player. I'm not knocking him, but to say that you're one of the top five rookies, yeah. like Swayman, like there's a ton, like um, Janero in, in Nashville, like there's a ton of, there was a lot in this class. And then, so I almost wonder like, when can the people who vote, when can their names become public? Because like, to me, that seems like it's not, you know, like, I, like, and the same, the same question can be had um, in with McDavid and Edmonton. Like he, he wasn't on some of the, the vote, like he didn't have, and, and is he not the best player? And like, I know Matthews won, so he had a better year, but is McDavid not the best hockey player in the world right now? You know, and and so, you're in a question. And so I mean, for people yeah. to leave him off the the voting the voting ballot, like to, so he's not even considered in the top five in in the NHL. Like I like I would love for whoever voted that to be able to give their explanation. Yeah, you know, yeah. like what is is it? Are you from Toronto and and you want Matthews to win, so you're not even going to get him a vote? You're not even going to give McDavid a vote to to sort of swing the the table in your favor i, I just it, it was puzzling to me to see like mcdavid not unanimously in the top five for sure and then to see some players where i'm like really someone thought he was like the fourth best rookie in the nhl with all the available like uh, where sort of where's the accountability maybe like how do you fix that like i know you're not you're not trying to shame people but you if if you are one that is voting you should, you should be able to back what your reasoning is, right? Why don't you have McDavid on one of the top five players in, yeah. in the NHL? What was your reasoning? You know, if it's not a good enough reason, take the voting rights away. Well, that's what I mean. But but <laughs> yeah, like, but like, that's when will you ever find out, right? When will you ever find out who actually voted, who didn't vote McDavid to be one of the top five players in the NHL, or who voted some players as you know the fourth or fifth best rookie? when it's like really like really what's do you not maybe you're incapable maybe you're incapable of you don't watch enough hockey to see oh there's a lot better rookies and i'm not trying to knock the player he's a good player it's just you're not one of the not really close to being one of the top players so who so who with the voting rights decide like you know what i mean yeah like yeah. I, it, it, it was just puzzling to me yeah, right. faceless, faceless vote. <laughs> well, that's what sort of it is, right? And then, and, and you just alluded to the coaching change, right? You have a, 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 with, a Florida with a, a coach in Andrew Burnett, who's, um, was in the running for coach of the year. And in, in that same offseason, it sounds like they're going to hire Paul Maurice, who I think is a really good coach. But it's like, wow, that's, that's news. Yeah. Like I know he was there for as an interim, but he was good enough to be voted by the same people voting that he's one of the top three coaches. And then sort of like, you know what, we're gonna bring someone else in just to. And I, I'm sure I'm. I don't know what his take would be on it. Like, do you stay in the organization? I know there was talks of of him having a bigger role or like a you know a more marquee role, whether that maybe is president, assistant GM, something. But like is that maybe not like a little bit of a slap in the face? I know he's there as an interim coach. So he was just filling the, the hole a little bit, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard to believe. Yeah. That he's now out of that position with, with being amongst yeah. the top three. And now it's, 
you know, pack your bags or go down the a floor. <laughs> You're now on the 41st floor. <laughs> yeah, how do you bounce back from that? With uh, yeah, that was very surprising. Even though they, I mean, I think their playoffs were a little bit disappointing, losing in a sweep manner. Uh, but for us, we were talking about it. Didn't see that coming, but still to be have that regular season. Who knows? You know, again, probably don't know the workings there. Maybe yeah, I don't know. I don't have answers, but like I don't know how that happens. It really makes you scratch your head. Yeah, hard That's decisions. Yeah, I know. Just really tough, tough decisions to to actually sit down and say, you know what, we're going to go this way instead, right? But yeah, um, I, I know you. Would, I know we had talked about three on twos um, to transition back into hockey. I know we had a little bit of a break there and talking golf and Formula One. But um, I, I thought, I thought Tampa did a really good job. Like Colorado is a really good rush team, and I thought uh, in Game Three. Tampa did a really good job off the rush. Like I think the, the first goal, um, Sorelli uh, would, I, we'll call it middle drive. He was attacking with speed, sort of kicks it out to Killorn and then continues on it, which it's almost like a two on three type play. And he just sort of puts his head down and drives through. Killorn makes a nice little play through to him where he, that's when he ended up scoring. Like it looked like he was trying to go forehand or backhand and sort of whiffed on it and it went five hole. Uh, short yeah. or short side, but um, just like just to touch on the be, being on uh, taking it, like you obviously were in the rush a lot more than I was. I was more of a, a trailer, but just the the thought process of of an attacking forward uh, off the rush. Yeah, coming off the rush for me, coming to the new, it starts a lot in the neutral zone, and, and what I see a lot of is in the neutral zone. Sometimes players they kind of go on their own and they try to attack on their own. What I'm a big believer is if you got time and space to the neutral zone, if you get your teammate up there, say we're coming down on a two on two, it's a lot about teaming up with that, like coming over to that guy. If I have the puck, I try to come to that guy. If that guy's not coming to me, I'm coming to him. We can pick on the D and that's a great way to cause uh, confusion for the D because then you make them have to communicate. You change, you know, when you start moving laterals in the neutral zone, that D's got to, you know, have good footwork or, you know, you're now you're on a two on one, but I thought Tampa, they do this great to the neutral zone cross and drops and zone entries is something that they're very good at. Uh, saw the one in, in game three, I think it was the second goal with plot coming through the neutral and slashes across and meets up with Kucherov. And then you can see this play evolve. I think the main point of that is, and what I see a lot of players do again, what I just mentioned was in the neutral zone, they just get the puck and they just sprint. Sometimes it's a little bit more about like a little bit more like basketball where you're, you know, like crossing, setting picks, setting screens, and you're moving off of that just so you can get, you know, again, confusion and coverage. And I think, I just feel like Tampa does this unbelievable. They did it great in, in game three, like I said, and they get a clip of that to show exactly that goal. Um, the, you know, at the end of the play, Stamkos makes a great pass across, but if you pay attention to the coverage. It started the messing uh, or the confusion and coverage starts with Palat getting lateral to the neutral zone, meeting up with his teammate distracting that defenseman and then it becomes like okay who's covering who next thing you know plots wide open back door so you see how that happens and that, that stuff sort of like that's what i think about when i talk to players like having a game plan and understand what you're doing understanding what is effective and you know the rhyme and reason behind this kind of stuff for me it's explaining that in the neutral zone if we both just sprint in a straight line you stay on your side i stay on my side we both are on just on one-on-ones it's easy for me to start yeah. what's that 
it's easy for me to defend, right? If you're not, yeah. if you're not isolating me or, or I'm like, okay, sure. Go wide. I'd love for you to just go wide and I just take you wide. Right. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once you, once that forward starts coming lateral, right? Like you just, now you're kind of trying to keep up with the play you changing the attack angle on the D and once they start moving lateral again, now you, you start gaining space, time and space away from them. Um, and you can't be pinned in against the wall. And that's once you can get in the middle of the ice and once you can enter the offensive zone through the middle of the ice, like that's where you gain a lot of, uh, a lot more uh, control as a forward. Uh, and Tampa does it awesome. Like they're a very good skating team and they're also very creative and they play off each other very well. And I think this, this, this goes into like cycling too, which I think I have talked about it before. It's a lost art, like crisscrossing, setting picks and, and coming off each other. And, um, uh, that's what I've been doing uh, teaching here at the camp this week was a lot of that, the cycling plays and like how to set that up, how to set your player up instead of just always saying, how can I get to that? It's like playing together. Okay. I don't really have a chance here. Like how can I get this, my teammate, a better, you know, a better look, set a pick, let him have that free space, let him come into that area, get threats in that. So, you know, this, this, uh, sort of, uh, goes sort of in the neutral zone as well, where I'm getting at and this play that we had in game two, I thought it was great for people kids to learn from you know and and how do we what does it mean what is the why is it effective and what are you looking for again you're looking to team up with your teammate to pick on one of the defensemen versus each stand on a one-on-one if you can do that I think you know Danny you, you kind of touched on it it's very tough for you to kind of track that it makes it harder for you yeah I just have it I just have to make all kinds of decisions like I have a checklist of things that are processing in my head as I'm taking the rush and I'm getting sort of pushed over to my partner because the other player is going over there as well. It's like, okay, are, 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 is their next player in the zone going to be, is it going to be now a three on two? Are they buying time for three on two? Can he pull up? If this guy drives through, do I take him? If he tries to set up, like there's all kinds of things that is just so read and react that are, that are happening. And I think that's what the confusion happened on, on the goal for, for Tampa was, and those are two good D that you're going up against. And I think Rantanen was the third guy back. Right. Yeah. And I, I think the, you know, if you can create that s- subtle decision-making or gray area that just happens in a split second, I think you saw it in the, in the goal, because uh, I think Rantanen had to play a little bit more zone and just hand off the player and, and then take on Platt. And I think he makes a little late decision. You see him try to put his leg down to make the block and it ends up getting through to pull up. But, uh, you know, a two on two, that was essentially a two on three, you know, we'll call the back checker or the third guy that turns into a three, which then turns into a scoring chance for Palat in the hash marks was all created because of, you know, trying to have confusion. And, and obviously those guys play together. They've been together for, you know, a long period of time. So their chemistry is there, but uh, yeah, it wasn't just a, I'm going to bury my head and drive wide, or I'm going to go and pull up. There's 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 a reason and a purpose to to their madness out there. Yeah, so it's it's, it's fun to watch them play together and crisscross and, and find new attack angles to the net. It's they're a fun team to watch. Um, so it's it's been effective for them in the playoffs. It was effective in Game Three. Uh, we'll see what happens next game. Hopefully they can pull a miracle out here. But it's little plays like these that, again, we try to bring to the show and like break them down, give the people the details, um, whether it's coaches, kids, understanding the why. Um, you know, because if they see this on the, you know, there's also time and place for this stuff too. The thing is with, for Plot here is that he has so much time. There's not a backtracker here. You know what I mean? So there's that gap between the backtrackers or the backcheckers. 
So this is where you, you know, you see that time and space, you check your shoulders, so you get time and space. Now that, okay, I can get lateral here. I have a little bit of freedom to do that. It's not so risky um, instead of forcing it in there. Obviously if there's back pressure there for you to try to drive into the middle would be, you know, kind of not smart. But um, when you have that time and space, getting lateral, do it. <laughs> and, and, and you're, you're trying to create a gap, right? And, and, and that's where like, you're, you're doing something with a purpose and, and they're, you know, like I said, they were attacking on Makar um, and Taves, two very good D Makar won, you know, uh, top defenseman in the league. And on the other side of the ice is Hedman, right? Worthy enough as well. Two guys who command the ice very well. Uh, and something that I wanted to touch on a little bit was put, people probably don't re realize it, but like when you shoot the puck, the puck will spin, right? So if you're a lefty, you're going to shoot the puck and the puck is going to grip on your blade. Well, hopefully you have tape on your blade that's causing the grip and it's going to, it's going to, as the blade, as the puck leaves your blade, it's going to be now spinning. I'm a lefty. It's going to be spinning counterclockwise. And if you're a right-hander, it's obviously going to do the other thing. And what I wanted to touch on was the, 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 as a quarterback defenseman, a, a D man up top, that's going to distribute the puck usually to one timers. There's a lot of guys that, that play in those positions, but like, for example, the a headman to Stamkos pass. When you look at headman, he's a left-hand shot passing it to Stamkos, a right-hand shot. When Stamkos goes to shoot the puck, the puck will be will need to spin clockwise as it really as it leaves his blade, right? So when you see headman make a pass to Stamkos, he gets his hands in front of himself and almost just like spanks or like shuffleboards the puck hard to Stamkos with minimal to no spin, so that when the puck makes contact with Stamkos's blade it allows him to create his own spin, right? Whereas uh, in another, in another situation looking the same would be Ovechkin in that same shooter spot and John Carlson beating the quarterback D who's a right-hand shot, right? He doesn't do that same anti-spin motion pass. He has no problem ripping the pass. As he rips the pass as a right-hand shot, the puck's going to be now spinning clockwise and it could be spinning quick, rapidly, but when Ovechkin goes to shoot it, he's just going to keep that spin going. Right. And just, I know from, you know, me and you, we're both left-hand shots. So I know for when I had to load up a, a right-hand shot, I had to make that shuffleboard pass minimal spin. But for you, I could spin you the, the pass, right? Because yeah. I know you're just going to keep that spin happening. Right. Whereas I guess what I'm getting to is if for D man, anyways, in the, in the, Offensive zone, a lot of times D men will, will swap hands or load up someone for when they draw back, go D to D one timer, right? So I guess just having the awareness of who you're passing it to for the purpose of a one timer. Like obviously, if you're passing the puck anywhere on the ice, just pass it hard and spin it. That's going to stay flat. But if you're passing for the sole purpose of a one timer, and I'm a lefty passing to my left handed partner who's going to be in a one-timer I can spin it because he's going to shoot it hard if I'm passing it to a righty if I'm spinning it when he goes to make contact with the puck he's trying to spin the puck the opposite way of of the spin that I've already created for it which usually results in like a fan shot or a knuckleball because the blade just there's not enough space on the blade and and contact with the puck and the blade to be able to create that so you end up just negating it so for players who are trying to load up someone for a one-timer, realize what hand you're passing to. And if it's the opposite hand, 
try to pass it with minimal spin. And if it's someone with your own hand, you can pass it with the, with as much spin as you want, but just a, a little thing, little things that maybe aren't taught as much or widely known, but there's a reason why when Hedman makes that pass to Stamkos, he doesn't just snap it over or like sweep it over and create spin. He sort of just like punches it, you know, just to like yeah. lesser, less spin going to a righty for that situation is better. I had a guy, I, my goalie coach here, Luca Gratchner, I played with him in Red Bull. And he told a story last night, literally about this from Thomas Raffle. He said, he's like, I got to tell you a story. One time Thomas Raffle was talking to Luca. Uh, and he said, he goes, look, this shrimp guy, he said, I don't know what he's talking about. He's he comes to me and he says, like, hey, Thomas, can you, when you make that backhand pass, can you spin it the other way so that I can shoot it? And Raph was like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. He's like, I'm just trying to get it there. I don't know. He's like, he's kind of like, it was funny. That kind of made him, but like, a lot of players don't think about that. They really don't. It's not, it's not taught. It's not really thought about. It's more thought, like, just snap it hard and get it there but this little detail is, is really important because on contact like when you used to team me up it was money man if i timed it properly i hit that puck and i could rip bullets and then there's other guys that would pass me in the same spot that you were in and they'd zip it and that spin screws me i can't torque on it and i can't control that the accuracy of it and i could it had a really hard time getting it up off the ice if you all back to our highlights like i was going shelf those one-timers from the top of the circle because it was set on a tee for me and that spin was proper. So I, again, like you said, I can just continue on with that and that gives me a better chance. And, you know, I think it's really important to understand as a passer uh, and for players to understand this, it is a huge detail because this starts to add up to assist. If you put that on the tee for the guy, you're starting to get apples, right? And it's not a, it's not a huge thing to do. It's not to say, Hey, you got to pass this puck over everybody's head and land it perfectly on someone's tape. We're saying like, before you let that thing go, put a little emphasis on this, right? Like it's not a huge ask. And for people that are listening or players that are listening, like think about it, try it out and see, get a guy and do some one-timers, grab a pile of pucks and change the type of spin you put on it for them. And you see, see if the and difference is- It, can, exactly it also, also sort of leads about. to like tape jobs too. Like I see a lot of- yeah. It, like yeah. I, I've had a few kids on my team, they come out with like in practice with jokes or tape job, like, yeah. almost like Jamie Ben, just like a little sliver. And I'm like, yeah. you got to be able to spin the puck to do, to do anything. Like you can't saucer, try, try going out with a, with no tape on your stick and trying to make a saucer pass. It's just going to like be quacking, you know, fiberglass, so, the fiberglass on the puck, you have to have sick hands, like sick, sick hands to be able to play fiberglass on puck. It's not easy. Uh, I'm sure there's other ways getting wax all over your stick or whatever. I don't have the solution to that, but I, I know that it's hard without tape on your stick, rubber on fiberglass. It's crazy. And the other thing to do what Jamie does like that much tape, <laughs> he's super skilled. And if you watch when he's handling the puck, it's always on that little sliver of tape. So he's very, very good. But, and even, even some of the guys that just have like the little toe tape job, they, they actually run like a, a, a piece of the same colored as their blade black along the heel to the toe and then they go over their toe in, in white like a traditional tape job but you need to have that friction to be on the to, to make contact with the puck or else you know it's it's just near impossible to, to handle the puck so if you're if you're and also like fresh tape is is crucial as well so don't run your tape job for half the season and it's like it turns into a cinder you know it's just like a clay it's a clay blade but yeah it's wild but, small details uh, no and, and it's it's good and i think 
from our feedback, I, I know from uh, feedback that I've gotten, I'm, I'm assuming it's the same as, as yours. Uh, there's a lot of people that really enjoy the, the small tidbits uh, that we try to produce, but um, I guess just to, to wrap it up, uh, I'm, you know, there's not much hockey left in the, the betting front. Um, but uh, I, I, I did see there was a, an option to bet for the first overall pick. Right. And there was heavy, heavy, heavy odds for a Shane Wright to be first overall. But would would you have enough confidence or do you, do you think this is something that could be bet on also? Because if the, I mean, it, it is bet on, but obviously Montreal knows who's going to go first overall. So is there not some sort of conflict of interest maybe there? Like it's not, this isn't, the outcome is going to be determined by someone choosing it's not like a, a, a game or a coin flip or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I, I, the, the odds were heavily, heavily favored to Shane Wright. I think he will go. But then there was a, a few articles out saying, oh, it's not 100% yet. But would, would, you have, would you have enough money in the bank to bet signs on him knowing that, you know, your distant relative is selecting him first overall? Like, I'm not trying to, I'm, not trying to, I'm just saying it's a, it's a, it's a different odds manufacturer when you're it's not the the outcome is going to be decided by someone's decision you know it's 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 not a horse race it's not a coin flip it's not card table it's not an outcome of a hockey game or a goal score it's we choose you right i just thought it was interesting when i came across that i i didn't touch it because you would have to put so much money down to uh to make a nickel on shane wright going first of all and i sort of assume that's the the given he's you know talked about that i watched him a, uh, a little bit not not a lot but talked about that he's uh, you know sort of a spitting image of patrice bergeron so you know that's a player it's my age pro- arguably the best defensive centerman in our decade but i i'd be jumping on that if that's the similarities yeah no he's been he's had a lot of hype for a long time so i don't know about the betting side of it to be honest with you i, I, I don't know i don't like that either that's not much fun you know, I, for me personally, I like the, the action part of it. <laughs> you know, that's, I don't know if that's, like you said, it's a choice. So it's, I don't I would stay away from that personally. Yeah. You know, there's not much, much fun in that for me. No, no, I like the live betting. So uh, I guess with that, Shrempy, I'll let you get back to, to teaching the kids overseas there. I think you're doing an awesome job. I know uh, a lot of people in the hockey world really respect you. So I uh, look forward to, to talking and hooking up next week. Awesome. It's great seeing you, brother. See you in a week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Check us out at the Shrimp and Sivrat Show on Twitter, the Shrimp and Sivrat Show on Instagram. We have our own handles as well. I'm at, at Rob Shrimp, and Danny is at, at Danny Sivrat. Check us out. Thanks for tuning in. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Shrimp and Sivrat Show. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nation Network YouTube channel to watch all of our video breakdowns. 